Hello, health investor. Welcome to another episode of the Health Investment Podcast. Today, you're going to hear from Teresa Yang. Teresa has practiced dentistry in the Los Angeles area for more than 30 years. She started and developed two practices from scratch, which is unique in today's insurance-driven world. Her philosophy has always been to put the patient's interest first. Teresa is the author of Nothing But the Tooth, an insider's guide to dental health. In the episode, she shares the optimal dental hygiene routine, whether preventative procedures are worth it, how to offset the cost of expensive dental procedures, and more. If you're liking this podcast, I'd be so grateful if you'd write a review and share it with a friend. Enjoy the episode. Simonson, Certified Nutrition Coach and your host of the Health Investment Podcast. If you're ready to look and feel your best without any confusion, frustration, or stress, you're in the right place. Each week, I interview experts and share no-nonsense, research-backed tips so that you can finally lose weight for good, eat healthy long-term, have the high energy you crave, and feel like a million bucks. I'm so happy you're here with me today. Don't forget to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Hi, Teresa. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Health Investment Podcast. Hello. Nice to be here, Brooke. It's exciting to connect. I was sharing, I interviewed a dentist ages ago, I mean, years ago, as I think it was episode. It was definitely in the first 20 and now we're at over 200. So haven't had a dentist share their knowledge in a long time. So I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah. I'm happy to be here. Yes. Can you share with us just a bit about your background and what led you to become a dentist in the first place? Sure. Um, I, um, I was born in Hong Kong, so I came to this country when I was seven years old. And my parents being immigrants, all of us being immigrants, you know, they didn't pay too much attention to me. Uh, I had a lot of independence, but my mother did say two things. She said, go to college and don't get pregnant. And so good advice, (laughs) good advice. And I was always a good student. Uh, and I was interested in the sciences. Um, I was also pretty entrepreneurial when I was in high school. I had this business making earrings and I sold them on consignment at one of the stores in the mall. And one day in chemistry class, the girl sitting in front of me turned around and she was wearing my earrings. And I was so thrilled. I can't tell you there's nothing like that experience to see something that you've made that someone else has on. And the same thing has happened throughout my career where I look at something that I've done and 20 years later, it still looks great in that person's mouth. Mm. Uh, But the combination of, you know, my enjoyment of the sciences and being entrepreneurial seemed like dentistry was a good fit because I thought, well, I could be my own boss. That may not be the case now, but at that time, that certainly was. So that's how I got into dentistry. Oh, cool. And so then you built your own private practice then? Just Yes. I... I started my practice from scratch, and that means that it didn't come with any patients. And so uh, I had to go out and 
beat the bushes and yeah. <laughs> find patience. But yes, I, I actually started two practices from scratch. I started one and I took a brief hiatus for about five years, during which time I taught at the dental school at UCLA School of Dentistry. But uh, then I missed practicing and I missed my patients. And so I decided to start practicing again. Hmm. And then why did you write your book that I love the title? It's called Nothing But the Tooth. But what inspired you to write a book? Oh, thank you. Well, every day patients would ask the same questions over and over again. And I found myself being very repetitive and telling them the same things over and over again. And I thought, wouldn't it be great to have some kind of resource where I can say, here, read this chapter. It's all about crowns and it's everything that you want to know. And then we can discuss it further. And in my spare time on weekends and in the evenings, I put together this comprehensive outline of how I, what I envisioned the book to be. And then life got in the way and family and so forth. And I put that aside. But during the pandemic, I spent three months vaccinating people at sites like Dodger Stadium. And some of my coworkers, when they discovered that I was a dentist, they, they came to me with all of their dental concerns. I need this procedure. Do you think I really need it? Or I have bad breath. Who do I go to? Or can I buy something for that? On and on. And it, it re-inspired me to go back to this project. And I started embarking on it with more seriousness. So that's how the book started. Mm. You say that your patients used to ask all the same questions. I'm sure those are all what I'm going to ask you today. <laughs> questions you've you've answered 800,000 times at this point. <laughs> but I'm sure you're used to it at this point. <laughs> yes. You're probably uh, somebody, like you said, that people seek out once they learn you're a dentist. I'm sure in all sorts of places you get asked these questions, not even yeah. when you're in your practice. <laughs> Um, even at, at social events. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, strangers, even acquaintances, but even strangers, when they find out, then they start opening their mouths and pointing to something <laughs> yeah. and say, oh, think about this. <laughs> You're like, I'm just trying to enjoy my appetizer here and not, <laughs> not get it. I think the secret is to not, not sound too canned and rehearsed mm -hmm. and to talk to each patient individually as a person. Which I have honestly found to be a challenge with the dentists I've visited because I feel like they come in for that quick minute and they do the tooth check. And then I have a lot of questions, but I have recently switched to a new dentist, but I was unhappy with my other dentist, which is why I switched. But I just feel sometimes a little rushed. And so I'm sure if you're giving these kind of candid, thoughtful responses, people are just eating it up because... Maybe they haven't been able to find a dentist that provides that for them. Right. It's super important to find somebody that you connect with. And if you felt rushed in that office, then that clearly wasn't the place for you. Right. Yeah. What would you say are some of the biggest misconceptions about dental health? Well, a couple things, really. I think the first thing is that pain is not an indicator of a problem. And by that, I mean, patients often say to, in response to, well, I think you need X, Y, Z procedure. Well, it's not bothering me, so I don't understand why I have to get it fixed. Sometimes that's true, and sometimes it isn't. 
Alternatively, just because something doesn't hurt, it doesn't mean that there's not a problem or a serious problem, or even one that originates from the mouth or your teeth. For example, you can have an ear infection or a sinus infection and your teeth will hurt, but it's coming from a different source. So actually, we, we all act and behave because of pain that we feel or we don't feel, but we shouldn't necessarily do that. Hmm. And that applies to all other areas in our body as well. Mm-hmm. I think another misconception is that the health of your mouth exists in a vacuum because it doesn't. Your mouth is connected to all of the rest of you. When I was first practicing, which it was several decades ago, I distinctly remember this man came in and he said to me, well, I have this bacteria in my GI tract and it's causing me problems in my mouth. And I looked at him like, really? I I looked at him with skepticism, but now we've learned that yes, everything's connected and what's happening in your GI tract affects your, not only your mouth, but your brain and et cetera, all over. So in the, in the mouth, we've learned that the connection between gum or periodontal health, there's a connection between that and heart disease, between that and diabetes. Or we've seen how a small airway at the back of your mouth or throat might be an indication that you might have sleep apnea, a disease that has multiple health consequences from risk of stroke to obesity. You know, in short, your mouth is intricately tied to the rest of your body. Yeah, really interesting. Would you say, you know, you're just describing how a patient will come in and they don't have pain, but the dentist will recommend some procedure. And then I know for, as myself, as a patient, sometimes I can feel distrust of, mm-hmm. oh, I don't know, does this person, are they just trying to make money? <laughs> to be honest, you know, like, it, do I really need this procedure or do I not? And I know that sometimes when you go to different dentists, they'll say different things. Do you find there's kind of a level of distrust between patients and dentists? So um, let me flip that back to you and, and ask you a, a question and then I'll answer your, your question. You said that you just recently switched dentists. Yes. Besides feeling rushed, was there another reason? They did try to kind of, I felt, sell me something every single visit, which in like the nth degree, more than I've ever experienced at a dentist before. And then I went to a new dentist and it was just kind of what I was used to. So I guess that's also probably where the question's coming from of, there was a lot that I felt was being sold to me that I'd never been, that I'd never experienced in the past. Yeah. And I think you hit the nail on the head. You know, we all want to find doctors that we can trust, someone who has our best interests at heart. So when a new patient came into the office, I would ask them what I just asked you, why are you here? Why did you leave your old dentist? And sometimes it was something mundane like, oh, my insurance changed or I relocated or changed jobs. But more often than not, it was what you just said, Hmm. that you felt like you were being oversold by your old dentist. So from the dentist standpoint, new procedures and materials, 
new things are constantly coming up, but I think we need to do a better job and not tell every person that walks in the door about every new procedure or every new product. Because let's face it, not everyone who walks through the door needs or wants, nobody needs, but wants whiter teeth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it's it's just, we need to do better at discriminating between somebody that actually can benefit from this product or procedure to saying, hey, Brooke, you know, well, how about this or how about that? Uh, because that, that plants the seeds of distrust in your mind. And mm -hmm. it's just really important to find someone that you can trust. But are are there dentists that are in dentistry just for the money alone? Well, sure, of course. But I think it's just a minority. And nobody goes into dentistry just to make money. As cliched as it sounds, I think most people go into healthcare because they want to make a difference in other people's lives. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, it... Um as you were talking about that, it was making me think I went to a hair salon once in New York City where I used to live and I got a haircut. And then all of a sudden at the end, they brought a basket over of all the things they used in my hair. And then they had lipstick for me to try. I mean, just all these things, all of a sudden this basket of, do you want to buy all this stuff for $300 or something? And I was like, what? Like, no, I came so in here no, for a haircut. I already, what are you talking about? I don't want yeah. lipstick from you. Yeah. So it kind of, that feeling, even if the stuff is well-intentioned and could help, it's kind of overkill maybe sometimes. And especially like you said, if it's oh, we have all these new and latest procedures. Do you want to do X, Y, Z? It's just kind of, it's kind of overwhelming as a patient, I guess. Yeah, I think dentists need to be much more sensitive to that. Mm. Some dentists than, than they are. In terms of the preventative add-ons, are there any that you would say are worth it at different stages in your life? Some that you would recommend for everyone or for a good majority of people? Um, specifically, what kind of add-ons are you referring to? I don't even know. I mean, they've they've told me different sealant options, or I don't even know the the menu <laughs> that I was oh, provided. Okay. Okay. But uh, I just know that there were options, and I didn't know whether I should get them or not. So you brought up sealants. So let's talk about sealants. Sealants are coatings that go on the chewing surface of your back teeth, mostly your molars, but sometimes the premolars, which are the teeth that are a little bit smaller and narrower than the molars that are directly in front of the molars. And they are placed to prevent cavities from developing on the chewing surface of the tooth. Ideally, the sealant should be done shortly after the tooth erupts or goes comes into the mouth. So for the six-year molar, you're doing this on a kid at age six to age seven. If you are 30 and you've never had a cavity on that area on your tooth, you do not, I repeat, you do not need a sealant. Mm. So um, if you as an adult are being suggested for sealants, um, I, th I think that you're being, that that is not necessary. Okay. Okay. Another preventive add-on could be fluoride. Do you remember as a child getting those fluoride treatments? Yeah. And I think, trays yeah. And hating it? 
Yes, I feel like they've offered me that too. And I think I did it once. (laughs) (laughs) So it's much easier now because instead of the goopy trays, there are varnishes and the fluoride is painted on and it doesn't have to be in there for three minutes, four minutes, uh, but you, you still can't rinse your mouth or drink water afterwards, but it's much easier. So a fluoride treatment for the average adult is not necessary, but there are certain cases where patients can benefit. For example, um, seniors uh, who have a lot of root surfaces exposed, they can benefit from fluoride. Children, definitely. Uh, Somebody who's uh, physically compromised, like you have um, Parkinson's or maybe you broke your dominant arm and you're having trouble brushing your teeth, you know, or anybody with braces. So in certain situations, a fluoride treatment could be helpful. Is it harmful? No, definitely not. Uh, I had a patient once who lived in Canada and in Canada, apparently they do fluoride treatments for all adults. And so she wanted a fluoride treatment and was fully uh, um, accepting that she would be paying for it. Mm-hmm. But it's it depends. The answer is it depends. It's case by case. I want to take a quick break from the episode to tell you about a company I've been impressed by for years. Thrive Market is an online shopping platform that offers thousands of products at 25 to 50% off retail prices. For just $60 a year, you get access to a wide variety of premium pantry staples, supplements, beauty products, and home goods at unbeatable prices. To put things in perspective, I save about $20 to $30 per shipment, which means my annual membership fee pays for itself after just two orders. My favorite part about Thrive Market is that for every paid membership, they donate a membership to a low-income family, veteran, or teacher. So not only do you save money on your purchases, but you also make healthy products accessible to everyone. To read my full Thrive Market review, steal my shopping list of over 150 items, and save additional money on your first order, visit thehealthinvestment.com slash Thrive Market, or just click through the link in the show notes. Now, back to the episode. What about mouth guards? Are those like, I know I have one they recommended because I was grinding teeth. Are those typically prescribed to people? Because my husband has one too, but we both got them later in life. Mm-hmm. Mouth guards are used for different purposes. So there's the mouth guard that protects the teeth for most commonly for sports. So those you can you can either get over the counter or they can be made to custom fit the teeth. And so that's a good idea. How many how many kids have you seen who have a front tooth sticking out and then they they're skateboarders and they fall and they break the tooth. And so that sets up the whole cycle of that tooth needing maintenance for a lifetime. Mm. Uh, So the mouth guard's a good idea. But the mouth guard that you're describing for, did you say grinding? Yeah, that yeah, grinding. In my opinion, I'll repeat that. In, in my opinion, <laughs> I think that mouth guards 
for grinding may be overprescribed. Hmm. Uh, if you are grinding, yes, you definitely should have a mouth guard. But the key is to diagnose whether or not you're grinding or not. Sometimes grinding can be confused with the consequences of acid reflux, or do you know if you're currently grinding or previously grinding? Is it grinding, which is the rubbing back and forth of teeth that wears down the back teeth uniformly? Or is it clenching where you're clamped tight together? Uh, th there, there needs to be a lot more analysis. And then depending on the situation, then the appropriate mouth guard is prescribed. Um, sometimes mouth guards are used for patients who have problems in their temporal mandibular joints or TMJ, and those patients have a whole host of problems, inability to open to normal, in, uh, difficulty eating, and a mouth guard may be used to stabilize the situation and uh, then followed up with further treatment. Mm -hmm. Are cavities inevitable as we age? Do our teeth just kind of grow older and more brittle? and they become more common? Or do some people make it through life without a single cavity? Uh, yes to all of those questions. Okay. <laughs> yes, we get older, our, our teeth get older. They do become drier and more brittle. If a tooth has had a root canal, then it becomes more brittle. And those teeth, if it's a back tooth, usually need a crown on top of the tooth to protect it. Um, are cavities inevitable? No. So cavities develop at two different stages in life. Typically, the first is during the childhood to, say, late teen, early adult years, where cavities develop either on those chewing surfaces where a sealant can help or in between the teeth, cavities can develop. Um, the second time in life where cavities can develop is during the senior years. So as we age, many of us have gums that recede. And as the gums recede, the roots of the tooth are exposed and the roots are not covered with enamel. And so they are more vulnerable. Combine that with maybe a drier mouth from a lot of prescription medications or more difficulty brushing. And those root areas then can become very prone to cavities. Mm. Okay. I got my first cavity at, I think I was 36 or something, and it was scarring. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'd never had one, and I wore it as this badge of honor. And I thought I was just immune to them forever. And then I got one, and it was oh, terrible. Dear. <laughs> but now I've been through it, so... It's fine. I've lived to tell about it, but uh, yeah. It's With the introduction of fluoride, fluoride in our drinking water, you find many children are cavity-free. Hmm. Interesting. Do all cavities need to be filled? Even I've had like watches before where they've said, we'll monitor this for a while. And I don't know, maybe it'll go away or something. I don't know what is expected to happen, but what's, what's your take on that? I actually recently wrote an article, and I think the title was, When is a Cavity a Cavity? Huh. So if you ask 10 dentists 
if something is a cavity, you might get 10 different answers depending on the size of the cavity. If it's a big cavity, yes, all 10 will agree that's a cavity. But for those smaller ones, uh, let me back up and talk a little bit about the structure of the tooth. So on the outside is enamel. And then inside the enamel is another layer called dentin, which has some nerve fibers in there. And then within the dentin, in the center of the tooth, is the pulp or the nerve of the tooth. So if the cavity is just confined to the enamel area, then that's when it, it might be recommended to just watch the tooth. Very Frequently, cavities remain in that state in, in that at that size for a long time. Um, once it gets into the dentin, then the cavity tends to spread and get bigger. And so the average dentist may recommend that that be filled at that point in time. Mm. But there are other factors that, that play into this, such as the oral hygiene of the patient. Uh, my daughter, for example, had a couple cavities that were into the dentin and she's meticulous you know, being with her brushing and flossing and so forth. And I had monitored her cavities over a number of years and they never gotten bigger. And then, you know, she grew up and moved away and found another dentist and they looked at it and said, oh, it needs a filling. So I, we had to have... A discussion about this that it's been like this for a long time and perhaps we should watch it for a little bit longer and see because she's able to maintain this mm. so it's a very case-by-case -case dependent right I guess when I got a cavity I saw it as this moral failure because I take dental health very seriously and I floss every night and I brush twice a day and I do I feel all the things and so then for me I just felt like oh my gosh what have I done I failed but then you just said your daughter takes her dental health very seriously and she got a couple. So is getting a cavity normal, even if you take completely great care of your teeth? Yes, because there are factors like genetics that come into play too. So it's, it's, it was a, a point of pride for you. Yeah. And as a cheapie, you know, but, but, I wouldn't take it as a moral failure or okay. a personal failure that you got a cavity. <laughs> okay, perfect. <laughs> In the chair, I was just very distraught about it, but my poor dentist at the time had to deal with that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, okay. So it's, and then it also as what I'm hearing you say is 10 different dentists would see 10 different cavities as something different. So uh, is there any... Is there ever uh, value in seeking a second opinion, would you say? Or do you just kind of find a dentist you trust and go with what they say? I think both. I think, yes, there's definite value in seeking a second opinion, especially if you're not quite sure if that's a procedure that you need. Um, if you were 36 years old and never had a cavity, and then somebody told you, Brooke, you have five cavities, mm -hmm. I would definitely seek a second opinion. Right. Uh, but at the same time, it's important to find somebody that you can trust. And without that built-in trust in the relationship, then you're not going to have a, a, a good partnership with your dentist. Mm -hmm. So it's a fine line, but 
yes, whenever whenever there's some hesitancy, I would seek a second opinion. And what I recommend, and I talk about this in the book, is a good way to do this is to seek a second opinion from a dentist and say to them firsthand, first thing, before they even look in your mouth, I'm only here for the second opinion. And no matter what you find, I'm not going to have my treatment here. Hmm. So then you're going to get the unvarnished truth. Oh, yeah, that's that's a really good point. Um, I, I will use that line, I think, in the future. Yes. <laughs> I love it. If you were to have a magic wand that you could just wave over the entire population of the planet and have everybody follow a tooth routine daily, what would that look like? Uh, in reference to a hygiene, a dental yeah, hygiene, hygiene and just practices throughout the day, just what, how do we take care of our teeth daily in the most optimal way? I think probably the, the, my number one wish that would make the biggest difference is for people just to go to the dentist. Only about half the population goes to the dentist, and there are many reasons for that. Chief among them, financial, uh, fear or anxiety, or the feeling like, well, I don't need it. There's nothing wrong with my teeth. I've never had a cavity. I don't need to go. Uh, but I would start there is it would be great for everybody to at least visit the dentist and have an examination and find out what their dental health is. Because as I mentioned earlier, your dental health impacts your overall health. Mm -hmm. In terms of hygiene, if you're only going to brush once a day, brush at night before you go to sleep. Because when you fall asleep, your saliva flow decreases and saliva is important because it lubricates your mouth. There are some cavity fighting properties in saliva that help to prevent tooth decay. If you go to sleep without brushing your teeth, you have all the food residue and bacteria that's still in your mouth. So that's the most important time. Okay, but ideally you'd brush morning and night? Ideal, yes, ideally morning and night. Okay, and then but nighttime is the most important. And flossing, that's my number one favorite product. <laughs> I, I grew up not flossing. You know, I mentioned my parents were immigrants. They were busy. Uh, the last thing they were concerned about was flossing. But it wasn't until probably several years after I graduated from dental school that I started flossing and then I cannot go a day without flossing. And now I seem to have more spaces in my teeth. And so I carry floss around in my purse. If I get food stuck somewhere, I just want to floss it out. It drives me nuts. Outside of hosting this podcast, I work as a nutrition coach specializing in evidence-based sustainable weight loss. If you're ready to stop yo-yo dieting and start living a healthy, active lifestyle you're proud of, I'd love to work with you in one of my programs. Unlike restrictive, one-size-fits-all diets that only provide short-term results, I help you adopt science-backed nutrition and lifestyle habits that work for your unique likes, dislikes, and time constraints so you can lose weight permanently, have high energy throughout the day, feel completely in control of cravings, and stay consistent long-term. To learn more, visit thehealthinvestment.com 
or follow me on Instagram and TikTok at The Health Investment. So brushing twice a day, flossing at night, I presume, because you get all the food out from the day. Ideally. Ideally. Okay. And then what about other things, mouthwashes? Do we need to be using those daily or is just brushing twice a day, flossing at night? Is that pretty good? We, we, we want to keep our mouth as clean as possible. Mouthwashes for some people, it's a nice adjunct. Uh, there are, and again, with mouthwashes, there's different mouthwashes for different reasons. A mouth, a breath freshener mouthwash. No, we don't need that. And, and, and I would caution your audience to really read the labels because some of those mouthwashes have alcohol in them. That's not the greatest thing for you to be switching around with every day. And if the mouthwash kills bacteria, there are some good bacteria in our mouth. So we don't want to willy nilly kill all of the bacteria in our mouth. So, um, mouthwash it's it's case dependent there are other mouthwashes that are fluoride rinses for the person that needs it more um there are some mouthwashes for people that have dry mouth and those would be applicable for them so a a uniform recommendation no Mm mm-hmm just case by case for that. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then what about manual or electric toothbrushes? Do you have a preference? Again, the short answer is it depends. Okay. You know, some people can brush effectively with a with an inexpensive manual toothbrush, but then others need a little bit more help. So that group might include children, teenagers, seniors, Anyone with a physical disability, like a broken arm or Parkinson's disease, anyone with a cognitive disability, such as dementia or Down syndrome, anybody wearing braces, it's really hard to clean around those metal brackets. Uh, If you receive a mouth, uh, uh, sorry, if you receive an electric toothbrush as a gift, then by all means use it because the research has shown that it is more effective than a manual brush. I am not sure if that's correlated to the two minute timer Hmm. that forces you to brush at least two minutes with a manual brush, unless you physically set a timer. Um, I'm not sure that everyone brushes for a full two minutes. That's a pretty long time. Yeah, <laughs> I think I do because mine has that little, my electric one has that little timer on it. But. Right, yes, the electric <laughs> one. Yes, it's a really good motivator. It is. And sometimes after a minute and a half, I think it's going to, it, I think buzzes every 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. And so I, I feel like the minute and a half mark is when I should be done, but it hasn't done the full buzz yet. And so it's still an extra 30 seconds. So I'm sure if I was brushing manually, I would stop way sooner than two minutes. Yeah. The 30 minute timer is designed because we have four quadrants in our mouth. Oh yeah. You're supposed to do Yeah. So the brush wants you to spend 30 seconds on each of the four quadrants. So by the end of two minutes, then you're completely done. Okay. I have not been doing that. I just kind of move it all over, but that's a, I'm going to start doing that now. The four quadrants. But when you brush too, don't forget to brush your tongue. Right. I think I forget that too. Okay. So brush your tongue morning, night. If you have electric, that's best floss at night. Do you have any favorite brands of mouthwash, floss, toothbrushes, any that you're extremely excited about that you'd want to (laughs) share? No, I, I just know what I, I like to use. Uh, 
I, I use the the Crest original anti-cavity toothpaste, but only because I'm used to it. There's so many uh, options out there that it's dizzying. But for the consumer, I would look first for that American Dental Association seal of approval, the ADA seal of acceptance, and start there. Do you need a whitening toothpaste? No, not necessarily, but, but they're very popular and people like them. So that's why when you walk down the aisle at your pharmacy or drugstore, you see a lot of whitening toothpaste. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In terms of teeth whitening, is that something we should be doing every so often professionally or ourselves? I mean, they have those white strips and things. Is that if you want whiter teeth, are those procedures you recommend, or would you stay away from the drugstore remedies, for example? So let me start by saying nobody needs whiter teeth. So that's a given. Um, But if you desire and want whiter teeth, yes, all of those products work. And there's different ways to do it. You can do whitening at the dentist in a single appointment procedure. Or you can go over the counter and use those products, or there's a hybrid method where the dentist will make you these trays and the whitening material goes in the trays and then you do it at home. Hmm. But regardless of the method, a couple things. One, your teeth are not going to go from light brown to bright white. Yeah. <laughs> They're only going to lighten several shades at the most. And secondly, it requires maintenance over time. You need to repeat the procedure in order to maintain the color. And that's dependent on what your diet is like. For example, if you drink red wine every day, Mm -hmm. that's going to possibly darken your teeth more than if you drink white wine. Yeah. So a lot depends on the diet. But... um, the second thing about whiteners is that they, they are safe. They're effective. They're safe. The, the whitening that you can do at the dentist's office is perhaps a bit more effective because the concentrations of the, the material is stronger than what you can get over the counter. But it all works. But the patient needs to follow the directions and not overdo it. Okay. Got it. Uh in my mind, I have this idea that when I drink coffee and red wine, if I don't let it hit my teeth, that I'm not affecting my teeth. Is that true? Or is that just something I made up myself? This is in terms of the color? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's true logical. That's if, you want okay. to drink, <laughs> if you want to drink your red wine through a straw, Brooke, by all means, go for it. But I mean, you know, when you sip it, if you kind of... I'm sure it hits some teeth, but I just, I'm very conscious. I think when I sip both coffee and red wine, not to let it hit my teeth, even without a straw. So I'm maybe doing a little bit of justice, but I'm sure it's still getting my teeth somewhat. Right. Because your teeth are being exposed. Yeah. Okay. To those liquids. Yeah. Okay. There's, there's no uh, great answer to that (laughs) for me because I like both coffee and red wine. So (laughs) I think it's just inevitable that, Some type of whitening would be in my future and I'd need to upkeep that. Okay. Good to know. 
And when it comes to paying for different dental procedures, the costs can really add up. Only so much is covered by insurance for some people. Are there any options or ways to offset the costs of these things? Um, yeah, let's, I think all of healthcare is expensive, um, with medical care. Most people have some kind of insurance or you can go to an emergency room and they cannot refuse to treat you. But with dentistry, maybe only around 50% of the population has dental insurance and dental insurance was never designed to pay for the whole thing. It was designed to supplement your dental expenses. So on average, you know, the, your dental expenses, you're going to have higher out-of-pocket costs. Um, what can you do? There are several options. The first thing is, if you need a lot of work, talk to your dentist. Come up with a plan where the work can be spaced out over a period of time, factoring in, if you have insurance, what the insurance benefits are so that you get maximum benefit out of that. And, and plan it all out so that the work is staged. It doesn't all need to be done at once. And just prioritize it. Or alternatively, there might be other treatment options that, while not ideal, um, can be sufficient. For example, you may need a crown, but instead of the crown, perhaps a large filling can be done. And that filling will, will hold out for a number of years until you can save up for the crown. There's also financing options. And this is not just in dentistry. I went to the vet and they had a uh, health care financing option for your pets. So uh, one company is Care Credit. So those companies, you can set up some kind of health care financing. But like with any kind of financing read the fine print. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, or you can consider going to a dental school for your treatment. If you're close by to a dental school, the work is done by students, but it is supervised by dental faculty. It does take quite a bit more time hmm. and the appointments may be longer, but that's an option. Oh, interesting. And then there are people that go overseas for dental work. Hmm. Really? And I can talk about that if you like. Yeah. What What does that mean? Uh, this is a whole uh, pre-pandemic, pre pre-COVID. This was big and growing, but it's, it's medical tourism, healthcare tourism. So what it means is you go to a different country to have your facelift or to have your dental work done. Uh, I have seen some of the most beautiful dental work done overseas, but I have also seen some of the worst. So buyer beware. There's, there's, that's what I would start out by, by cautioning, but ask, ask yourself some questions like what kind of training has a dentist had? Where, where did they get their education? Does the office seem clean? Are they following sterilization procedures? Uh, does the equipment look modern or or modern-ish? Depending on the situation, is there a way to ease into treatment rather than to undergo extensive treatment? Mm. Uh, what is the, the, the dentist's bedside manner like? Are they explaining the procedures properly? What, what happens afterwards? What to expect afterwards? But... Um, 
just understand that when you you're on vacation so if you get this work done and you come back home and something happens there's no recourse so i once had a patient get extensive full mouth treatment in central america and the work was beautiful but one by one his crowns broke because the dentist had picked the wrong material the material was too fragile and it started to crack so he had to have most of his crowns replaced at significant cost and at greater cost than if he would have had the work done in the U.S. to begin with. Mm. Plus, he was on vacation and had to spend the whole time at the dentist. So who wants that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think the most ideal situation is if you have some kind of contact in another country, relatives that can recommend a dental professional for you. And if it's a place where you visit frequently, then you can establish a relationship and start slowly and get your work done. Mm. For example, my hairdresser is from Thailand and she goes back every year. And so for years she had her dental work done in Thailand. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's fascinating. I guess I didn't, I, I knew people went abroad for certain things, but I guess I didn't realize people were doing that for dentistry, but makes sense. Makes sense. But buyer beware. Yes. Buyer beware, for, sure. With that. for sure. One of the final questions I ask each of my guests is in your opinion, what does it mean to, to make the health investment? Um, for, so I'll answer that for me personally first. Okay. My health care, health investment is exercise. Mm. Is that I went through a period of probably 10 years where I did virtually little to no exercise. I was busy. I was working. I had two young children and I didn't carve out the time that I needed to, to exercise. But now I make it a priority and I try to, to do exercise at least three or four times a week, if not more. Uh, I think that that's going to help me as I progress in my life. For the, a global invest, health investment, I would go back to the point I made that your mouth is inextricably tied to the rest of your body. And for, for I would love for everybody out there to make a health investment in their mouth, starting with getting an examination to see what condition their mouth is in and go to the dentist. Hmm. And I think the other great point you made is a lot of people might not be going because they are not experiencing pain or they can't see anything with their eye, but there could be something else going on that could be treatable or preventative of something worse down the line. Right. It's just like if you had high blood pressure, you're not going to know it until your blood pressure is sky high. Yeah. But a very quick diagnostic test will tell you whether you have high blood pressure or not. Right. Right. Where can listeners follow and find you? I have a website. It's called uh, www.theresayangdds.com. So that's T-E-R-E-S-A. Y-A-N-G-D-D-S.com. And I have a blog on that website and also a link to many of the other articles that I've written and podcasts that I've been on. 
Uh, I just wrote this book, Nothing But the Tooth, An Insider's Guide to Dental Health, which is available everywhere, Amazon, Books a Million, Barnes and Noble, or through my publisher, Roman and Littlefield. So I'm also on LinkedIn and you can message me on LinkedIn or send me a message through my website. Awesome. Well, I will put links to all of those places you just mentioned in the show notes. And I just want to thank you again for being here and asking all of answering all of my questions that I'm sure you've answered again, (laughs) thousands of times in your life, but truly appreciate you sharing your wisdom and your thoughtfulness. And thank you, Brooke. It's been a pleasure being here. Awesome. So great. Great, great connecting, Teresa. Looking forward to staying connected off air. Well, that's all for today. Thanks again for joining me here on the Health Investment Podcast. I'm so grateful for each and every one of my listeners. On your way out, remember to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. See you next week. All content in this podcast was created for general informational purposes only by a non-physician. None of the content should serve as a substitute for professional medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis. Always consult a qualified health provider with any questions regarding a medical condition and before making changes to your diet, lifestyle, and or exercise programs. Do not disregard any professional medical advice you have received or postpone seeking such advice because of something you heard on this podcast.